full of booze and liquor It's getting me fucked up so quick I sound smooth and sicker Two kegs of natty ice for the cheapest price I realized it was going to like dog and like Tijuana sewage in here It's yeah. fucking weird how you got the combination to work uh, it's a cool woof, woof drawing in the back though. So that's awesome. Oh yeah, no, that's his. Uh, that's 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 Clan McCory. Mm. Yeah, when the when the Vikings conquered Dixon, he was there. <laughs> oh my uh, god! Speaking of Dixon, I know we're gonna get going here in a minute, but I stopped in for dinner two nights ago. I got off of work late. Like, I mean, I'm an hour northwest. I'm you know staying at Corey's apartment. I'm an hour northwest of Dixon of Nashville. So the only thing that's left open are bars. And I was just like, fuck, I don't want to go to a bar. But I'm starving to death and there's nothing. Like, all the drive throughs are closed. Everything's closed. So I walk in, sit down at the bar because there's no servers, just a bartender. And I'm listening to these two women arguing with each other. And I think they're slightly inebriated. And the first one said, and I didn't hear the whole conversation. All I overheard was, I can't do that. I'm a godly woman. And the other woman, and I'm not making this, the other woman's like, godly, bitch, use a prostitute. And the other, the first one looks back and goes, well, there's prostitutes in the Bible. You got to be thick skin to be a prostitute. I got thick skin and some loose skin too. And I was just like, oh my God. Wait, this was a real conversation? A real conversation. That sounds awful. It was a 1 a.m. bar conversation in the middle of nowhere, in butt fuck fucking Tennessee. Awesome. Welcome to no episode. Yeah. No, Welcome no to episode. <laughs> Welcome to episode six. <laughs> this is Darian. And I'm Adam. Allegedly. Right. What um Coors uh well, I guess it's noon where you are, so it's banquet. Uh, I know. I'm out know. to lunch. I'm having a banquet. A, a banquet, a power lunch. Yeah. Um uh, all right, so let's get into it. How was uh, your first full official week of work? Exhausting. Uh, exhausting. And uh, at the same time, I think I lost nine pounds the other day. In one day? In one day. I, actually, it was yesterday. Good for we, you. Uh, yeah, well, not really. Uh, two days ago, the prep cook came in with some birria and some tortillas. And he chopped up onions and cilantro. And he had uh, a green salsa and an orange salsa that he said was really spicy way. And uh, <laughs> wait, is it like Tennessee moist spicy way, or is it like San yeah. Diego moist spicy it's, way? It, it, no, it's Tennessee. It's it, it, ketchup's hot out here. <laughs> and uh, six of us eat tacos. Six of us wind up on the toilets. We were mid service last night. We're 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 crushing. Like we did 600, 640 covers last night, and it's like seven thirty, and the board's full. And the, the chef that I'm mentoring looks at me and goes, and I look, he looks at me and he's just like, he's starting to beat up with sweat. His face is turning red. And he's like breathing heavily. I was like, you all right? He's like, uh-uh, I got to step off the line for a minute. <laughs> I was like, all right. So he steps off Expo. He, dude, when he came back, he was ghostly white. It was like 20 minutes in the bathroom. He said the toilet never felt so, so comfortable in his entire life. And I was like, well, you look like you lost a few. He's like, yeah, you too. Everybody had the runs. It was bad. I barely made it home. So what you're telling me is don't get birria in, in Nashville. I'm saying unless you're looking for a quick diuretic, birria is the way to go. But wait, like did, if, he, did he make it or did he buy it somewhere? He bought it. And I'm trying to find out where because if I could like, um, 
if I could find a way to market that for women trying to fit into that wedding dress, <laughs> I feel like that's that's the next big. Uh, eat, eat a taco, fit in your dress. That is no. Or for no. dudes on. A- and that's what passes for Mexican food. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Was it good, though? Was it good going in? It was delicious going in. Oh, okay. Yeah, Corey said the bathroom was rough coming out because I used his bathroom. Yeah, I'm a nice, I'm a good roommate. You, My roommate you, a couch crasher. You're an awful roommate and a, also an awful couch crasher. You know what? I'm an amazing human being who should be a life coach. You should not be a life coach. Anyway, yes. get get besides bad beer. Yeah. How how else was your first week of work? It was rough, man. I put in more hours in the first week here than I did in the first month of my last job. It's, I know, which is amazing. Yeah, I know. I lo- I mean, I love it. Yeah, it, it's it's taught me a couple things. One, uh, all the beef I've ever eaten in my entire lifetime has all been bad uh, until I got here, and two. Uh, somehow selling out for mortgage and I mean, I mean, let's be honest. All my jobs over the last 15 years have been uh, carefully calculated so I could spend as little time with my ex-wife as much time with my kids and still make enough money to pay all the bills. But I wasn't cooking. This week, the food that I've been putting out, like the plates I've been coming up with and things I've been doing, I was like, I, I didn't realize I still had that in me. I didn't even know I had kitchen legs left, man. Like to be able to work a line on a 600 cover night, work in two stations. Is it tiring as it was? It was really, it was really fucking great to see. I was like, oh, I still got it at my age. I'm all right mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, met all the players. It feels like I've been here. I mean, I was here seven days. It feels like nine months. Yeah, I mean, we've we've uh, we've taken them from terrible reviews to awesome reviews in six days just by organizing the kitchen, and getting stuff going. So it's it's good. It's good. So how's how's the meat program? It's the most ridiculous thing. All right, so being in kitchens as long as I have, and you have, I mean, you've been around for a long time too. There's so much bad beef out there that it's so easy to not, uh, to, to become a vegetarian or a pescatarian even, or a pesca pescatarian, which is something that eats fish that only eats other fish. But this beef program, it, like for me to eat a $90 per pound meat means I'm just taking it easy on the night. Like that's where our beef program starts. Some of the stuff is so expensive and so amazing. Like it literally starts at $90 a pound our cost. We have a, we just started this Australian program where we have a, so there's a, a BMS scale or a BMS scale, which measures, BMS measures the amount of marbling, not fat, but marbling within a steak. And the scale starts from three to 12. There's no one or two, because if there's marbling grade of one or two, you probably got your steaks at Costco mm-hmm. or Walmart. <laughs> and this Australian came in, it's, it's an Australian ribeye at $104 a pound with a BMS rating of 11 plus A5. The term melt in your mouth didn't exist until I ate that steak. It was really? just, oh my God. It was just big beef flavor. So there's so much intermuscular fat. And because we sous vide everything to expand the fat molecules. So it just melts so much easier. It, it was just fucking the meat is insane oh so everything everything gets sous vide first not everything so our primes don't but anything prime over does so because the primes don't have as much intermuscular fat so Mm -hmm. for people that are on like a a date with an escort probably just gonna go prime because you got to save money for the room and the labor and everything else Mm, Um, there's a lot of that we know the tables that escorts sit at because there's always gum underneath them um (laughs) listen if you're going out for for 
$1,500 dinner, you're not putting gum on her table unless you are an uncultured sex worker. And there's nothing wrong with being a sex worker. Everybody's got to make money. I understand that. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's how we know where you're at. Uh, so for the sex workers that are listening, stop putting gum into the tables and we know, won't know who you are. I totally got off topic. Uh, sous vide. Yeah, that's right. So we sous vide most of our steaks because um, for those of you who don't know what sous vide is, it literally means under pressure. So you take a piece of meat, you put it in a vacuum seal bag, um, get all the air out of it, and then you cook it at, we, we do, depending on the temperature of the steak, 140 for 10 minutes. Open up the bag, pat it dry, season it, and then get it on a 1200 degree flat top just to caramelize the outside, seal in like all the seasonings and all the, all the flavoring. And um, because it stretches the fat out, you don't get like big bites of fat. You just get that smooth, silky mouth feel from the fat because it just interlaces itself through all the meat. Right. It's like, they've got an amazing program. They have an, like the kitchen itself, the way they've done things, they've set it up that they basically built a, a modern day Mercedes F1 car. Mm-hmm. They just haven't put the right people in the pit crew or in the, in the driver's seat. So that's kind of what we're building right now. Well, you're in the driver's seat right now. I'm not. I'm hitting the pit crew. I'm actually the team principal. I don't know what that means. I don't watch that NASCAR or F1. It's not, it's not NASCAR. It's F1. Uh, that, 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 that would be like somebody who watches football saying, I don't watch soccer. Like, it's two different sports entirely. No, no. Football is football. And American football is American oh, football. You, oh, you mean football? <laughs> oh, it depends, yeah. Only assholes call it soccer. The footy. But... <laughs> the footy. <laughs> Listen, calm down. Um no, I'm, I'm actually the one that's, that's principling the race. So we, we have a chef, an executive chef in the building itself. Um, I'm promoting a guy who's actually worked at two different Michelin star restaurants to this executive suit level. Like the people that are in here, they got some talented, some wildly fucking talented people, but they're all so young, <sighs> young chefs, man. It's like hurting chickens. You know, they have all these ideas and sometimes the, the less is more mentality doesn't really translate to them. So you got to kind of reel them in mm-hmm. and explain why this doesn't work. Uh, we were talking about pickling yellow beets the other day and they were pissed off that the color left. And I'm thinking to myself, it's like, all right, it's cool that you want to pickle beets for this scallop plate. Like I get where you're going with this. Um, but because they get so caught up in the technicals, they get so caught up in how do I make this better? They don't stop to think of the basics. So I looked at them. I was like, Hey, um, what if you got some turmeric root? I don't know. Out of that to your, uh, pickling liquid, make it yellow. Just saying. Like it's just like a light switch. Oh, I didn't think about that. Well, that's why I'm here to help you change tires faster or whatever. <laughs> or drive or drive or hit those, hit those corners, hit those. Yeah. And not the walls, which you've been hitting. It's funny. Cause before I started here, these guys were running 90 minute ticket times. Now we're running 40. Nice. Nice. L- little, <sighs> little baby steps, baby steps yeah. of improvement. It's a big ele- elephant. You take small bites, by the way, the, at the bar the other night, they were big elephants. I'm sure it's it's yeah. Dixon. It's it's not the best part of Tennessee. You know what else? I heard? I wasn't going to bring this up because it's so insensitive. But this is the mindset of these people out here, and I say these people because they're not my people. They're these people. No, no, they're your people. They're not my people. You fit in. I'm. I do not. I might be Caucasian, but I don't fit into this clan. This is this is this is clan big deep south here. <laughs> I actually overheard somebody, I was at Kroger getting Diet Pepsi, and I heard these two people arguing about how there's no public transportation out here in this, this city. And this older guy basically, and I, I'm not making this up, 
he said buses are basically like concentration camp trains but they make more stops and i was like what did you just say i don't understand the reference that seems just like some ignorant deep south shit to say <laughs> yeah that's why that's why everywhere i go i pontiff a drink <laughs> you know if i could make people feel stupid uh i you know their unhappiness doesn't make me unhappy is all i'm saying uh it, it, it's crazy out here man like i the first time i moved out here i loved it because it was slow it was the south it was this it was that and then as i learned more about nashville and less about the uh the rural areas i found out i live in nashville not the outskirts so the people out here are fucking weird they're fucking weird. I mean, to talk about how you're a godly woman, but a prostitute, it's only okay because prostitutions are in the Bible. That's like, nah, all right, cool. That's off. Jesus forgives. Jesus forgives all sins. Yeah. Praise be. Praise all, be. Hell, all hell to the most high. Yeah, uh, praise be. So going back, we, had, we were having this conversation last week. And yeah, go ahead. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> what? That was iced tea. Okay. Uh, it looked like rum. No, I I don't. When have you ever known me to drink rum? Never. But then just it looked like rum. Listen, when you look like dark rum, when you're depressed or sad or even tired, stuff it down with some brown. Gotcha, gotcha. Anyway, we were having this conversation last week, Jameson. I I, I get you. I <laughs> just want to make sure we're on the same page. Well, we're on the same page. Yes, banquet chorus. I also got that as well. <laughs> you know, the video is not going out. So, oh damn it! We were having this conversation last week, and you were talking about you wanted to bring a game program pause. to pause, pause, uh-huh. pause, really quickly. I do have to apologize for last week. Uh, Sunday got away from me a little bit, and uh, <laughs> uh, admittedly, I was embarrassed to listen to the podcast because I know I was well. I don't remember most of it, so whatever happened. I'd like to apologize to anybody that heard it. And I'd like to go on record and say, whatever you're about to say to me, I don't remember. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the podcast. I'm talking about when we have, oh. we're having a conversation this week. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you were talking about being, bringing a game program to the restaurant. And it, yes. got me, it got me thinking because I don't, when I spend, when I go out and spend large amounts of money on food, it's usually in Vegas. So, I don't know if it's because I don't really go out to like high end restaurants, but you don't really see game or even like rabbit on the menu anymore. Correct. And it it's funny because when I like my third job in San Diego, which was my second job after the Prado, like we served rabbit. Uh, when I worked at La Valencia, we had venison. And it seems like these things have like really fallen off menus. And I don't I don't know if that's just I don't know. I mean, what, how would you explain it? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I guess I'd have to start by uh, defining American cuisine. Mm. Uh, what is American cuisine? To me, it, it's, a, it's, it's an overabundance of bad ingredients. Uh, we have screwed up farming so badly, it's not even funny. But the truth is, and we can come back to that point in a minute, because I blame uh, Terry Hellborn for McDonald's back in 1966 for screwing up the farmlands. And I'll explain that later. The reason you don't see gay meats anymore or, or much of them is because America has become a culture of lazy cooks, you know, and I hate to say that, but the truth is why become a, a culture of great cooking when you had everything here that was abundant, you know, the greatest cuisines in the world were born of hardship. It was, it was, it was 
it was a negotiation between peasant and landscape. And here in America, the landscape was so abundant. It was just easier to cook a steak than it was to learn how to, to cook the harder pieces of meat or game. You know, we never had to adopt cooking techniques for harder grains and vegetables. We just did what we did because we had it here. And that's uh, a real travesty of, uh, of American culture when it comes to cooking. So nowadays, you have so few people that actually know how to use game meats. You have so few people that actually understand how to accentuate the, the, the flavor profiling without making it taste gamey, without you know, removing. It, it, it takes a certain technique to take a rabbit or venison or elk or you know, moose, bear even, and accentuate the natural flavor profile of the protein itself without making it taste gamey and offensive. And I think that people have become so attuned to bad beef and bad produce that when they taste something that's that, that actually they're not used to, it becomes offensive or scary or, you know, even unapproachable in some ways. And I think it's our job to bring that back. I think it's our job to, to say, no, um, this is delicious and this can be amazing and you don't have to be scared. And let me show you why. Um, because it's, it's, it's a really sad time for cooks in America, especially post COVID. I mean, so many people left the people that had great talent and great techniques, you know, they, they, they left the environment of cooking and, uh, it's, 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 it's in a rebuild process right now. And I think that being here, part of, part of my goal, as, as I've realized this part of my goal is to teach those techniques. It's, it's to bring that back. It's to, I mean, what a better platform than fucking Nashville. I mean, there's so much tourism here that if I can impact I mean, we did 600 covers last night. If I can impact 10%, if I can make 60 people stop and rethink the way they eat food, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm successful that way. And that is something that I think can carry on to their friends and to their families and be like, oh, I hit the spot. Let me tell you about it. Um, I just, I, I think people have stopped eating it because they're scared of it. And I think people stopped eating it because people don't know how to cook it. They don't have to. Well, um, and I was saying like, oh, you know, I feel like I, I don't know we were talking about bison. I was like, I feel like everybody has had bison, but then you pointed out that, you know what? Probably a lot of people haven't had like, like even bison, it's just a little gamier kind of beef. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, honestly, I think bison's a leaner. It, it's leaner than, than cow. And I think it has more flavor than cow. So I, I, I mean, I guess you could use the word gamey, but the truth is, if you're beef. More, yeah, I think it's beefier beef, honestly. Mm -hmm. And the reason, and the reason for that is so, Listen, if you're grossed out easily, turn the shit off right now because I'm about to dive deep. Cattle, what you find in your local grocery store or Costco or Vons, typically is what's known as spent cow. So the dairy industry is so big. What happens is they take a cow and they hook up its udders and suck all the milk out of it. And they re-impregnate it like every, I think cows like 10 months, eight, eight months, eight months, 10 months, something like that. Anyway. Once the cow births a calf, they let it rest, then they reimpregnate it and they keep like drawing all the milk out of it. Most cows have a 20 to 25 year life expectancy, except dairy cows, because their bodies go through so much, you know, they've got a nine to 10 year life expectancy. So what happens is they live their entire life on their feet, constantly being milked, constantly being impregnated, constantly being filled with hormones and antibiotics and you know everything else to keep them alive, to suck as much milk out of them as they can to keep the dairy industry going. That at the end of their time, they basically take this cow, they slaughter it, and they turn it into commodity beef. And that's what you find in your local grocery store. And it's such a bad beef because the proteins and muscles are so stressed. And like, that's what we've gotten used to. We've gotten used to, to meats 
that have no flavor. We've gotten used to meats that have no character and we've gotten so attuned to it that anything that tastes outside of bland, boring beef, we're scared of. We're like, oh my God, I don't know what this is. So for someone to even bison, which is like super fucking approachable, people are like, oh my God, that doesn't taste like the ground. That doesn't taste like McDonald's Big Mac. Well, of course <laughs> not, you know? They don't even rig that meat. It's fucking, it's so bad. They can't even put a stamp on it. So I, I think that there has to be an awakening. And I think there has to be a, a new educational system where we teach people as chefs. I think, I think there has to be a revival of what farming and food is supposed to be so we can re-educate people because it's, it's, it's getting to the point, man, where I look around and I see the shit that's going on. It's like, I mean, how some restaurants survive, how, how people serve the shit that they do. And how people eat the way that they do. And it's not their fault. They don't know any better. But I think it's our responsibility to teach them. I think it's our responsibility to, to, to shine a light on this and say, no, this is bad. You know, farming in America took a, a sharp turn back in 1966. 66, um, 67. The CEO of McDonald's at the time. Um, and this is why I hate McDonald's. And, and honestly, I can't support a company that sucks Satan's dick for a living. Um, but McDonald's at the time. Wait, is that a provable fact? That they, they suck Satan for a living? Oh, yeah. I don't have photos. Okay. But it's it's alleged. Okay. And gotcha. if I, it, well, I read it on Facebook. And I feel <laughs> like that's. It must be true. <laughs> it must be true, right? I mean, Facebook would never censor a lot of things. Anyway, back in that, in, in 66, uh, two things happened at McDonald's. One, they invented the Big Mac, uh, which is because of Burger King. Actually, Big Mac and the Fish Filet came out because of Burger King. But the CEO at the time, realized that all the franchises had different fries. And uh, he was like, well, McDonald's is going to be an international success and we want to go international. We have to make sure all of our fries taste the same no matter where you go. I mean, it's a great principle or it's a great thought in, in principle and in theory, you know, the fries should taste the same in LA as they do in New York. But the problem with that was they did a taste test of all the fries everyone was using and they uh, settled on one potato that they wanted to use for all the fries at every McDonald's, and it was the Idaho Russet. So they called all the potato farmers in Idaho and said, this is what we use annually. Here's how many potatoes we need. And for the first time in the history of farming, not American farming, but world history of farming, farmers were then forced to meet a quota based on a restaurant's needs and not what the land and or seasonality could provide. So all of a sudden you had all these farmers in Idaho that instead of doing what they could do as the seasons progressed, they were just... They, they, they were forced in this negotiation of just russet potatoes to keep up McDonald's at. And it was the first time that a kitchen dictated the farm that dictated the needs of the land versus the farmer understanding the needs of the land. And it changed the landscape of uh, farming forever because now you have all these big chain restaurants that only want to use this one thing. doesn't matter what time of year it is. doesn't matter if it's not in season. We want a fucking heirloom tomato in December, figure it out. It, it, it's forced farmers to have to change everything that they do, which is why they can't rest their lands. They can't, it's, it's spiraled, man. It just, it made things bad. No, I know you get shitty tomatoes year round now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should be, I like in July, you should be getting these amazing, no, not amazing tomatoes. They're the same piece of shit, soggy, bruised up, lack of color, no acidity, bad sugar content that you find in December. Oh, yeah, and, and it's because we have, instead of farming the land for seasonality and resting the land and doing what we're supposed to, we just got to farm it year round now, doing the same thing over and over again. It's like Sriracha, as much as I love Sriracha. And, and it's funny because the guy that started Sriracha, 
is a he's a refugee from Vietnam, and he came here on the Hung Foy ship, which is why his uh, company is now called the Hung Foy Food Company, a food corporation. He named after the ship that liberated him. He only uses um, Fresno red chilies. And because sriracha has become so popular, farmers have had to switch crops around to keep up with the demand of Fresno red chilies. Because we, the consumer, like consume so much sriracha, he has to have so much chilies. Like it, it, it becomes this weird cycle of pl- plant what you have to to meet consumerism versus plant what you need to for the land and for the people and for the seasons. And I think there's a huge disconnect in that. Well, that's capitalism at work, though. This is you what you, the, this is what you ask for. Here's the beautiful thing. Here's what these, I love. These companies are dictating their terms. Yeah, hundred percent. And at, it's, at it, the detriment of the environment, at the detriment right. of farms, at the detriment of uh, of humanity. If I'm being honest, you know. And the thing about it is, fuck, I lost the throw. Oh, um, the thing I hate about capitalism. I love I love capitalism because it's accountable. I hate capitalism because when things break, they don't go back to the thread of where it got broken. They just invent a new business to fix it. Like mm. bread baking, like bread baking, for instance, back in the 50s, um, people with celiac disease are, are real. And it's like three percent of the of the population. And then people that have gluten intolerant at whatever level, they don't have celiac. What they have is they have intolerance to flour based on commercial baking and what i mean by that is you know we think of sourdough as a type of bread and sourdough is not a type of bread sourdough is a type of baking it's souring your dough and what that means is the yeast has time to ferment it's 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 actively eating the sugars and the flour and breaking down the exosperm of the flour itself and releasing all the nutrients back into the dough which creates a more uh flavor but b your body can actually absorb the the nutrients that wheat has to offer well, back in the 50s, Wonder Bread, which actually isn't even dough, it's batter, uh, decided that they needed to, I think it was the four, no, the 40s, I'm sorry, the 40s, um, decided they needed to speed up the baking process and created instant yeast. That way, mm-hmm. they ferment mm-hmm. bread faster. Instead of a three-day process, it was now a 45-minute process. And what was happening was the yeast didn't have time to break down all the, the, the exosperm of the wheat. So the wheat was raw going into the dough. Your body couldn't absorb the nutrients. And all of a sudden, voila, a few years later, we have people with gluten intolerant. Like people with gluten intolerance can eat what's now considered artisan bread, which should just be fucking bread as far as I'm concerned. But it's artisanal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because somebody did it right. We have to put it. But the thing about it was in the true form of capitalism, instead of, you know, we, they started bleaching the flour at that point too, because they thought that, the white flour would be even prettier, but that we realized that it was robbing. Once you bleach the flour, it, the, the flour sperm, all the nutrients, the vitamins and minerals came out of it. And so people were getting sick. And so in the true form of capitalism, instead of going back to unbleached flour, they just enriched it. So we invented a new company or new process uh, for more money to take, we, we, we take everything out of the flour by bleaching it. And then we enrich the flour with everything we took out of it. And then we batter the flour and rise it in 45 minutes so you can't eat it and then put it on your shelves. And that it lasts forever as well. Yeah. Well, a Twinkie lasts forever. Oh, delicious. I haven't had a Twinkie in a long time. And I don't blame you. I won't. I haven't had one in a long time and I won't have one for, a <laughs> for the rest of your life. Fred. 
Yeah. Yeah. So no, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's fucking, it's, it's pretty bad. Man. Like it's, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Actually, let, let's go back because Fuddruckers, I remember my first introduction to Bison was Fuddruckers. I'm sorry. Fuddruckers, you hold, remember Fuddruckers. I am old enough, but some people may not be. So if you don't mind, could you give us a quick rundown of what Fuddruckers really is? Fuddruckers was a, it's just like a burger chain. Yeah. They did burgers, they did yeah. chicken sandwiches, they did french fries. French fries were delicious. Yeah, and, but they had, well, I don't. The one in here in Chula Vista had bison burgers, they had elk burgers, and they had ostrich burgers. Ostrich is delicious. I have never had ostrich. I'm actually working on a uh, ostrich carpaccio with truffle peaches. Please continue. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, peaches. Actually, there's more peaches that come from uh, Alabama than Georgia, even though it's Georgia peach. Um, and ostrich is really incredibly tasty it's very oily um it has a really great fat content it, it has this the, this sensible game that makes it approachable for people where it's not like venison game where you're just like oh my god it's gamey um but it, it's it's almost like like wild turkeys not the mm. drink but actual wild turkey right, right. Uh, where, where it just has again there's so much bad fucking turkey. people eat so much bad turkey it's not even funny foster farms is not a thing but ostrich just it, it has this amazing flavor profile, and uh, because it's the type of bird it is, you can actually eat it r- uh, rare and not worry about salmonella. Anyway, continue. So, I used to know a guy that worked there when I was working at UCSD. You, you had a guy. I had a guy. I knew I had an in. Yeah, I got so, a guy. Like once a week, he'd bring me like a bison burger because I was like, "Hey, just you know, bring me a burger. I'll cook it here and I'll make it here." Blah blah blah. And I would eat it. I was like, "This is this is really good." But I'm, I mean, other than that, it's like, you don't really, you, uh, there's like one restaurant in San Francisco that I remember vividly using bison, like as a focal point on their menu. But other than that, it's just like non-existent. Well, it, it's, it's hard for two reasons. I mean, once, I mean, we, we touched on consumerism, but the other part is, I mean, farming. Like if, if you have farmland, are you going to raise bison and moose and elk, or are you just going to create a bunch of dairy cows where you can sell milk for uh, half and half creamers, flavored creamers, milk, cheese, and then uh, take that spent cow and turn it into beef. So you're winning on all ends, or are you going to create a game farm that, well, you're going to, you know, you might hit 1% of the population it, again, capitalism. And it's funny because I was at Sprouts a couple weeks ago and there's this, I forget what the company's name is. No free ads anyway. But uh, they had like a little little spot. That should in the, be our first t-shirt. No free ads. No free ads. I, I, yeah, that's, a, that's a common saying. I don't, I don't think we can market that. Somebody probably already trademarked that shit. I think we can market a lot of things. Anyway, go ahead. So it's this company and they're selling boar. They're selling elk. Oh, they're selling boar. They're se- yeah, boy, it's delicious. I, I got yeah. boy chorizo and it was really fucking good. Yeah. Oh, shit, what was I saying? Uh, but yeah, they're selling elk, bison, like all these things. And it's this little company out of Texas. And it's just like, it's just like a little niche market right now. And I, I feel like maybe. It's oh, it's, it's absolutely 100% not cheap. Not cheap yeah. at all. Yeah. But I mean, it's tasty and it's worth it. But it's just like, I don't know. I, 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 think, I feel I like think Americans we, are missing out. 
I, I, I believe that too, because we're it, okay. So the first episode that we did, the hidden episode, we talked about India and we talked about, um, I went on this whole, no, 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 our second episode, which is also now non-existent hidden as well. Perfect. Mm. Uh, too much name dropping on that one. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Traffic can heard <laughs> anyway. Um, I went on this whole rant, you know, uh, uh, about a country like India, which has, I don't know how many millions of what 60 million people in the country, 50 million people. No, in the country. no, it's, it's over a billion. So a billion people in this country with roots that tie back to, I don't know, pre Christ. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that country's that old. And for the first time in the history of that country, uh, they're seeing obesity, they're seeing heart disease, they're seeing all these things um, go wrong. And for the first time ever, I mean, again, here's here's a country that loves, like it, it loves and respects family and elders. And I mean, people gather every night, every day for meals. Um, all of a sudden, 10% of the country no longer cooks at home. And it's because of KFC and McDonald's and Pepsi. And they're they're creating all these super young, youthful, like sexy ads that are changing the culture of India so that people aren't cooking at home. They're, they're, they're not doing family meals. They're not eating vindaloo and tandoori and butter chicken and naan and alumatar. Like they're not going back to their heritage and roots. They're actually shifting the culture of that country in a different direction where 10, 10% of a billion people, it's a lot of fucking people that no longer cook at home. They're eating McDonald's, they're eating KFC, they're eating this processed garbage shit and it's creating heart disease and obesity for the first time in the country, in the country's history, they're seeing an uptick in this for the first time ever. And we Americans are like, no, oh, well, it's our every day. So well, I mean, yeah, but that's, we're, you're, you're we're, shifting, you're shifting like a, you're, they're shifting Western, which is like once Western culture, yeah, once it's Western culture permeates like another country, it, I mean, this is what happens. You get obesity, you Listen, get I'm like, a fat fucker. But, you know, yeah, I, you eat, I, I drink my way through life. I figured, like, when I die, at least I'm going to be happy. You know, I, I love food. I love to do what I do. But, you know, when you say Americans are missing out, we're missing out. And, and India is a great example. We're missing out because we've been, like, brainwashed. We've been institutionalized to think that a Big Mac is the best it's going to get or, or, or a Whopper or whatever it is is the best it's going to get. You know, that, that Popeye's hot chicken. That's what we know. Sadly, you know, through, you know, commercialism and through ads and through all the, 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 the billions of dollars, these big companies pour into it. It, it is, it has fucked us as a culture and as, and as a people. And I'm super like, I'm happy. To be, I, there, there's, there's no denying how much I love Nashville. There's no denying how much, how happy I am being here, but I think I'm even more thankful to be working for the company I'm working for again, no free ads because it's allowing me a platform to talk to people this way. It's allowing me to, ha to have a, 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 a seat at the table. It's allowing me to have a say in the conversation of what we should be doing versus what we have been doing. You know me, I, I'm a kitchen guy, so I usually don't walk the dining room very often, but the last like three or four nights, man, I've walked the dining room. I've no. talked to guests. Yeah. No, I absolutely No have. way. I, dude, I've, I, I've touched probably 70 tables in three days. Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to gauge you with know, or consumer. without a drink in your hand. I don't drink at work. What is this a new thing? I, no. It, <laughs> listen, there's only been one company too that I ever drank out at work, 
And the reason is I can't cook when I'm drinking. Like I get sloppy. I, 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 I don't cook well. And the thing about it is I don't want to ruin somebody's night. You know, we, we have a special part of our memory and, and we're going off topic again. And I get that, but our memory is split into two pieces. One is our memory for like long-term, short-term, you know, what you did as a kid, school, test, whatever. But we have a very specific part of our memory that's tied to our olfactory senses. So sense of smell, taste, I'll, I'll, it's one of my favorite stories. I was working at a place and uh, this older company a couple had asked me if we had this specific soup on the menu at this restaurant. I was like, mm, we have a soup. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, listen, we're from Los Angeles. We ate here. It was in San Diego. Like we ate here 20 years ago for our anniversary. And we, we remember this lobster bisque and it was so amazing. And we've been looking for it ever since. We just, we couldn't remember the name of the restaurant. I was like, well, we have a lobster bisque with a sherry foam. Yes. And they just like, they became elated. They were so like, after 20 years of searching, they finally found the soup again. And it dawned on me that we don't remember places. We don't remember people. We remember food, you know, your first dates, weddings, anniversaries, funerals. You'd be 20 years down the line, looking at your wife going, what was that place we ate in Nashville? They had that amazing fucking steak. What was that place again? That's what we do for a living. And so for me to walk the dining room, that's why I don't drink. Cause I, I don't want to ruin that for somebody. Uh, for me to walk the dining room is, is a, a very unique event, but I took <laughs> probably, probably 70 tables in three days. And every one of them was like, Hey, listen, um, I've had a steak before I've had a ribeye before, but this was special. This was different. I didn't know this is what it could be. And I was like, well, and that created conversation. We, we, we created a platform for people to, to gather and talk you know, about why the beef you eat at home is not good, why you should be looking at what you put in your body, what you're consuming differently. It, it, it makes it, it makes a difference in, and not just, you know, your, your initial happiness, that, 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 that moment of yay, but also how it affects your system, you know, not eating beef that's pumped full of steroids and HGH and all the shit we put in it. You feel different. I mean, I've been eating, I, I've probably eaten, if I'm being like, I'll be conservative and say, I've probably had $6,000 worth of red meat in the last eight days, you know, because the, the high quality and, and just, you know, I'm, I'm there 13 hours a day, uh, give or take. I feel different. In a good way or in a bad way? I don't feel different. I feel the same. <laughs> uh, you know, it's but, funny. You're, you're talking about eating all this meat and I gave up. I went vegetarian for Lent. Why? Eh, you know what? Sacrifices for God. <laughs> what are you sac- okay? What are you sacrificing? Uh, I usually eat meat every day. Okay, so it's like a, an integral part of my diet. Like I eat a lot of pork. Like I eat. Well, that's so, delicious. Yeah, pork is delicious. I love pork. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's tradition, and I I have to, you know, I might not Veg- go to church all the time. Vegetarianism is del- no, no, you know, making that little sacrifice for Lent. If Jesus, where could, you, huh? Where are you? Where are you getting your produce from? Sprouts. Okay, all right. I was concerned that you're going to be very unhealthy very soon. So why? What? No, 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 no. Because our farming is so bad. Like, what, what? I read a study the other day that our our current produce levels, like our commercialized produce, has like eighteen percent the nutrients, minerals, and vitamins it had forty years ago. I mean, there's so many people now, though, that you know how many there's I think there's we've topped seven billion people in the world. I mean, yeah. at a certain point, we just have to like pump and produce at a certain point. We have to stop 
take the model apart, make it make sense and rebuild it. Like you can't just like it, it, the, the Navy has the term constant bearing decreasing range. And that's what our farming community is all about right now. They're going the same direction headed towards the wall. It's going it, it, to, there's going to hit a tipping point, man. If people don't feel this right now, they fucking need to. There's going to come a tipping point in American society, in the world's history, where we have to seriously look at what we've done to our farming community and the produce that we're producing and realize that, listen, just because you eat an apple doesn't mean you're going to be healthy. You're getting nothing out of it anymore because of how bad our farming has become. You but, might feel better for eating carrots and celery, but it did nothing for you. But also the thing is, big farm is a, is a thing. Big farm has has completely like changed, also changed the way we farm because they're, yeah. they're buying up a lot of little farm land and you know just pumping out again. as much produce as they can. Again, there has to be a tipping point soon where we have this conversation about this doesn't work, you know. And the crazy thing is, and I, I actually I, I read this I don't know I think two or three days ago I was reading this where <laughs> you know me. The conspiracy, the, the conspiracy theory. Oh, big um, conspiracy theorist. Yeah, big guy here. I just, I love the conversation. That's what it is. I, it's not that I believe in the conspiracies. I just love to create conversation. And I love to create arguments. I mean, I am not an argumentative person by nature. Um, in According fact, to who? According to you? Everyone I've ever met. No, you just stimulate other people to argue with you. <laughs> I don't argue. I'm not an argumentative person. <laughs> and I do not speak in semantics. You're a provocateur, sir. I'm a shenanigator. <laughs> uh, there's nothing makes me happier than to bring up a very controversial subject and then argue semantics with people because it, it just it frustrates them in such a way yes. that it 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 their unhappiness doesn't make me unhappy. Like I am very I'm happy with myself. Like I and the thing about it is, if you're crying, I'm winning. Like, just stop. Like, you, yeah, there, there's a point where you got to understand you're not going to win this battle with me. Um, we're off topic. Where were we again? You were reading this article the other day. Oh, so did you know? And this is actually, I, I, I did some research. I actually did some, some back study on it. The American government. I, I, I really, I, I had to look up. I think, I think I spent like 40, about 45 minutes on this. As a farmer, you can actually make more money from the American government if you don't plant your land. They're paying, like it, it, let's say an acre of land, uh, acre of farmland yields $2,000 a year or, or a month or whatever um, in revenue of annual crops. The United States government is offering 3000 to not plant. And I started looking at this like I don't know why they would do this. Like, why are we why are we not planting? I, I get that we should let our ground rest. And and to your point that you know we need to to, to ramp up for the, all the people that are here. So there has to be a rhyme or reason behind this. Like like what's going on? It it, it turned out that what I found was they were trying to slow down the, the they were trying to slow down the amount of produce being produced by America to not subsidize other countries. And to hopefully create a market within America where produce became more valuable than it has been in the past. And so I started thinking about that. I was like, why would anybody do that? And I have no answer. I don't understand it. Why would you purposely increase the price of produce? 
I mean, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Produce should be easily attainable to other people. Produce should be goddamn free in a lot of ways. Like if the government was going to subsidize, like if the government came through and said, listen, we're going to give you $4,000 an acre to make produce, but it's free to the country. That makes sense to me. But that's not what they're doing. They're actually people to not farm. And I don't understand that yet. There's too many food deserts in America where people aren't, don't have readily available access to produce. And it's very, very sad. Define a define a food uh, define a food desert where it is impossible to get fresh. Uh, not impossible, but it takes a long. It's not in your neighborhood. It's difficult. It's difficult in your neighborhood to get uh, produce. Like you can get like uh, areas. Let's talk about some of those areas. Uh, a lot of hoods. Uh, okay. Um, but they some, sell malt liquor. It's like boys in the hood. You know, Lawrence Fishburne's uh, monologue in Boys of the Hood, it's, it's, that, that's a very real thing. You know, when, you look at, uh, when he's talking about why aren't there, you know, good schools and good businesses in this area, but there's a liquor store and gun store in every corner. They're mm-hmm. keeping mm-hmm. to kill each other. Listen, the government, <laughs> the United States government has an addiction issue. They got about a billion dollar a week kill brown people have it. You know, it's, it's true. Like whatever they can do to, to I fucking, I love America. I hate our government anyway. Um, so what you're saying to me, you know, not being able to find fresh produce in the hood. Part of that is I, I honestly, I think it's intentional. I, I do. I mean, the school systems are worse. There's higher capita of liquor stores. There's higher capita of guns. Like it, it, like if you really look at the numbers, it's, it's, it's sad, but anyway, continue. But also, like rural areas, it's also difficult to find. Like, false. Oh no, go ahead, continue. Oh, it depends where you are. Correct. I mean, some. Oh my god, I don't know how you drink that shit. Water. It's not water. It's, it's was a gallon of water. <laughs> had water. I had water. I, Irish whiskey. That's my bad. It's not bourbon. Well, um, I don't drink that gallon of vodka you just had. It's not vodka. It's fresh water. Anyway, it's clear. It's clear. Uh, this is all going on the cutting room floor <laughs> <laughs> to the trash um certain rural areas it's very difficult to find markets with produce in them and i feel i don't know what, i just feel like what, it's what kind of rural areas i don't know i don't i don't go to rural areas well, I'm, a, I'm in a rural area here and the produce here is fucking amazing no one eats it mm. like it's it's wasted on you know the Thick skin, loose skin prostitutes. I, I feel like food waste is a big, big issue as well. We do, <laughs> yeah, I know. Again, That's... again, we're going, we're going back to the, uh, the what defines American cuisine: overabundance of bad ingredients. You know, we we don't reuse, we don't, and it, it, it's funny that I don't know what it was like five years ago. They started selling. Um, There's whole campaign of using. Uh, non-uniform vegetables. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I like I. It's I, like I had a pause for a minute. I was like, I, I didn't realize that we had to talk about that. So well, they're uniform. Big fucking deal. Yes, but people won't buy shit that's not uniform, and it's crazy. If a tomato isn't perfectly round, or if an onion isn't perfectly round, or a po- potato, anything, it's like, oh, that's. It's it looks unappealing, so it must not be good. Which More is condition. this whole with yeah, it's this whole mindset of 
like I, it's I don't know. It's I play, it's, it's I food Obama. ignorance. I play fuck Obama. you. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> he would not eat a perfectly round apple. Uh, it, I don't know. It's just it, crazy. It started. It started with Obamas and then it's bad it, it, apples. I don't. It, this is, is this that is the cutting room floor. Yes, this, this is also going on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I just, uh, see how I did that? I, yeah, I see. No, but great, I'm great at raising blood pressure. Not how, just mine, but other people's. How long has how long has that been a thing though? It, I feel like it's been a thing for like years. Since, years. since well, I think the the um, the produce issue started honestly like in the nineties. Once Food Network kicked in, and once like there was a spotlight on food because food didn't become super important until. Food Network came along and you had all these star chefs and they started talking about food and, and there, there, there's some fallout from it. And there's a few good things that happen. Like grocery stores were forced to, they're forced to bring in products that they wouldn't have brought in before because people, consumers became educated and they knew about it. But at the same time, they also saw the stuff that they saw on TV and it was perfect. And it had to be because it was on TV. Mm. Right. So, so Bobby Flay, who couldn't cook his way out of a wet bag. Oh, don't, and, don't, don't downplay Bobby Flay like that. Uh, okay, let me let me restart. <laughs> Bobby Flay, who couldn't cook his way out of a wet bag, uh, whose parents bought him his first restaurant, and a publicist who had more talent than he did. Um, when he's on the the boy meets Q or boy boy, I don't know the fucking redheaded torpedo meets bad food. I don't know what he does, but when he's up there roasting his poblano chilies, which by the way is from New York, and I don't know what the fuck he thinks he does about Southwood. Uh, I don't don't you know stop. Sorry, but when he's up there roasting all these things off, they have to be perfect for television. And so people see that and it creates a subconscious notion of if the pepper doesn't look like that, I can't buy it. And so now you go to the grocery store and you see people fumbling through things for that. Person. How many times do you see people squeezing avocados or oranges? Like, you don't know what the fuck you're looking at. You're just squeezing it to be abusive to that vegetable. Like, what did it do to you? That's just rude. You know, um, I blame Food Network for that because before Food Network hit and before it became super uber popular, I mean, Julia Child didn't give a shit about what produce looked like. She never talked about it. She's just, oh, I'm here drunk cooking a souffle. <laughs> no. Rest in peace, Julia Child. Yeah, you like that? So what is a souffle? It's a sauce with whipped egg whites in it. <laughs> you know, like back then cooking was like she made cooking cool in America, but Food Network actually turned it in, into something that shouldn't have been it it put a spotlight in areas we shouldn't have had it and listen a, a, a crookneck zucchini that has a little bit more of a bend than the other one it would be like it'd be like going to the store and seeing two different zucchinis and one has a has a deeper bend or two bends to it versus the one that doesn't they both eat the same you know it, it it's not that either one's bad they just they look different i don't know man i i also quit it to people like you see people that look different and you automatically become judgmental Maybe it's all connected. Maybe judging people that look different, produce that looks different. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's, you know what? Because I'm so good at diversity and inclusion. Oh, Jesus Christ. Also, we'll, we'll end here. <laughs> no, I should also do a study on how people judge produce and people. That they, like, if you don't understand why that produce looks different and you don't like it, then maybe you don't like people that look different too. Maybe there's something to that. I, I like I to include you. In this first conversation, it, it's a first conversation, but please don't include me in your anything but that you do with diversity I be and inclusion. Inclusive no, no, and diverse. No, your your friends are diverse. You not so much. You're, you're one. 
you're one shade of white and that's it <laughs> no i'm more t- I, i'm i'm more of a a, a, a light honey ah <laughs> oh, that's fucking ridiculous what, what's our time right now i think we're like 45 i think we're good yeah. so we got 15 more minutes nah we'll cut it at you're, 45 you don't want to talk anymore i think we got uh, what we needed to get there's chocolate on your face. I, I think we got what we needed to get. I, I wanted to go into this game thing, and I was I because I think it, it's a really good conversation. It is a really good conversation. In fact, I talked to the owner of the so I'm, I'm I'm running one, but they want me to run all six here very soon. And we have one room in this tiny room. It it's fucking this room is drop dead gorgeous. Not because the room itself is pretty, but but because. It has this big pane of glass that you can look in through, and it's got like these tree, like it's just very nature, very beautiful. It's a private dining room. When I talked to the owner, I was like, "Hey, listen, I want to put a game program in place here at this restaurant, and this room right here is absolutely beautiful." He's like, "Do you want to annex it?" I was like, "Well, hear me out. It faces the street, like so. When you look the the windows of the restaurant, you look into the windows of this room." And if we could turn this into like a dry aging sausage, um, a dry, yeah, you know, the, the, yes. Like how beautiful would it look if you look through the windows and you could see all your prime ribs drying out. You could see your whole charcuteries, you know, your, your house-made pancettas, your house-made, like all of it just hanging. He's like, okay. He goes, what do you think the ROI is on that? And I said, I don't know. I haven't done the math yet. He's like, okay, well, there's, 14 seats in here and each one is $45,000 a year. He goes, can you, yeah, I see your eyes roll up trying to run the math. 535, I think, a year. Oh, I looked at him. I said, so I have to make sure that this room can. Oh, no, wait, that's, that's not, that's not right either. You said 45 a month, 45,000 a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Times 14. That's 450 plus another call it six, 660. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I asked him, I said, so I said, rough math, 600,000, 180. My, my math is like terrible today. It's fine. So, I, so I, I did the quick math too. And I was like, so I got to make this in order to make this room make sense. He goes, yeah. Can you do that? Yeah, I think I can. So I sent him a proposal the other day and I said, if we can, here's what we can, like, if we could transition, here's what we could produce. And here's what I think we could do in the future. 630. Yeah, six, yeah, six, yeah. Well, I told him 600,000, but that's fine. Um, 600,000, one fucking room, 600,000. Dude, we did a party the other night, it was 18 people, $7,100. <laughs> this place does 10 million a year, but pre COVID, they were doing 20 million a year. That's a lot of money. That's Prado numbers. I think it's more than Prado numbers. Uh, either way it was gross so he was all about the game he's all about the sausage all about the charcuterie uh he was he was down for what he's like listen you know you've turned this place around just a few days i'm gonna go ahead and ride with you you know keep it going uh get this place completely turned around and let's talk in 90 days it's like that's your way of telling me that i have to be sustainable heard so huh so you're putting a menu together yeah right now actually no you're not you're drinking right now but well, I don't know what I'm doing right now. Nah, you're, you're thinking about going to the city. I can see it in your face. <laughs> I kind of want some big league pork or something. Oh, sorry. Uh, 
you know what? Fuck that. Free ad for Pig Lake Porker, the best barbecue in Nashville. Um, yeah, I'm kind of thinking about going there and get some uh, either some pulled pork or some chicken. You know what? You can't go wrong with the pulled pork. The pulled pork was delicious. That place is great. It's really good. Really good. Yeah, it's it's either that or um, oh, dude, I just got a text message from Mark Zuckerberg. Hold on, hold on, don't hang up yet. I'm hold on. I'm hanging up. No, don't. My name is Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook CEO, and I'm here to pass on good new to you about your profile. And then it's a... Is it new without an S? Yeah, it is. And it's a picture link of Mark Zuckerberg's staff ID uh, for Facebook. Don't click the link. I will not click the link. <laughs> that's, how you get, will, that's how you get scammed out of money. I will pass it on to you. Do not send me anything. That Just forwarded it. Just forwarded it. That's going right in the trash. Gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, don't don't give me viruses. And... It's like the Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> Uh, I'm Darian. You're I'm Adam. Adam. Yeah. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. I guess that's it. I'll see you next week. All right, cool. Though. Uh, I'm Darian. You're I'm Adam. Adam. Yeah. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. I, I guess that's it. I'll see you next week. All right, cool. Though. <laughs>